In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and this series is in cooperation with Ascinda Virtual, which brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. Now, you can learn more about Cinda under www.cinda.org. It is a nonprofit organization. Now, we don't only bring you thought leadership and stories, business stories from all over the world. We also have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the series, let me tell you what the series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations, to leadership issues such as gender balance, business values, and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live every Tuesday, 3 p.m. specific time. And if you miss us live, don't worry, we're on every major podcast platform on Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, every place. So you can listen to us in your own time. And I invite you to connect with me. Please send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or connect with me on my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. Now, if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. And I'm going to introduce today's episode with a quote. Okay? Truly successful individuals and leaders recognize that they cannot always have the answer themselves and that it is unrealistic for any one person to be the expert on everything. Truly great leaders understand that they may not have to be the answer themselves. They merely need to be the catalyst for others to generate the answers, as well as to create a safe culture and environment for such energies to come forth. And this is a quote from our guest today, Dr. Jeffrey McGee. And he's right. You know, successful companies have leaders that give their employees room to contribute, high-performing teams, have a clear aligned purpose, you know, internal resources and the right environment are surrounding them. And this is what we're going to talk about today. How do we do that? And we're going to talk about Dr. McGee's book, The Managerial Leadership Bible, learning the strategic, organizational, and tactical skills everyone needs today. And this book is available on Amazon. So let me introduce Dr. Jeffrey McGee. He has been called one of today's leading leadership strategic persons. Okay, he is, Dr. McGee is the author of more than 30 books, three college graduate management textbooks, four bestsellers, and is the publisher of Performance 360, P360 Magazine. He's a former co-host of the National Business Entrepreneur Program on Catalyst Business Radio and a human capital developer for more than 20 years. Jeffrey uh, brings over 
two decades of executive and corporate development expertise, with the last decade working on both startup and to mature to market business sector. Lastly, he has also been recognized as one of the 10 outstanding young Americans by the U.S. Junior Chamber of Commerce and twice selected to represent the United States in the World Congress as a leadership speaker. So, uh, Dr. McGee, Jeffrey, welcome, Jeff. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to visit with you and share with your listeners. Yeah, well, it's so great to have you. Um, I know you're so busy. So you know, we, want, we want to talk about your book today, The Management Leadership Bible. And um, you wrote that book a couple of years ago, but when I read it, and uh, for our readers, it's a fantastic read, it seems so relevant, especially, you know, not just a couple of years ago, but exactly when you wrote it, we didn't know what was going to happen to the world in 2020. So, you know, what what brought you to write that book and, and how do you see its relationship to what's happening in the business? Business world today? Great questions, and thank you very much. Also, thank you more importantly to the observation. You know, this book was written almost 30 years ago, and it is now in its fourth edition, uh, newest edition coming out right before the pandemic. And to answer that question, and for our, vis- uh, for our listeners, you know, the content in the book today, I would actually edit and change nothing. Uh, as we're coming out of this global pandemic, because the book is written in two sides. First, it addresses the uh, practitioner strategic side of management leadership. And then the second part is the practitioner's practitioner side, the application, what we do on a daily basis. And from that perspective, you know, part of what I've been uh, writing and researching and sharing through our executive development leadership programs and in this book, as you mentioned, is again, you know, to be effective in leadership, It's an interesting talent set you must possess and carry with you. And part of it is the ability to look over the horizon, uh, whether that horizon is your local market and zip code, or if it's more at a state level, regional level, uh, or global level, and recognize what's going on. And how do you stress test your business, your models, your products, your deliverables, your human capital? Human capital is a major place that I believe is the differentiator in business today. Uh, And so that's how the book was written, and it addresses what's going on before, during, and And since this global pandemic, what the pandemic really has shown people is that were you really complacent and really more just as a caretaker of your organization as a manager and leader, meaning you're kind of uh, using whatever business models worked for you in a previous year, and if that worked good, you just kind of mentally pulled them forward, or did you really write things down? Did you strategically evaluate where your business is and where it needs to go and what's happening and what what the pandemic really illustrated, and I hope to not use that word again for the rest of our podcast, (laughs) is that a lot of people actually got caught with their shorts down. They were not actually doing the job. They were vested as business owners and leaders. And that's why so many businesses just in North America, I know we have global listeners here, but just in North America, you know, the American Restaurant Association, which I do work with, um, you know, estimated uh, in early 2020, that 40-ish percent of all the restaurants in the United States that are being hit by this global pandemic and are going out of business, will go out of business, will never come back. And that's very true. Uh, where I live in Las Vegas, Nevada, 85% of the restaurants that were in business uh, in early 2020 are either not open in 21-22 or partially open. And it's not because their product is not needed in a marketplace. It's because management and leadership basically has been on a mental vacation and didn't realize all of the aspects that they're responsible for. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and you're absolutely right. It is global. Um, you know, we're located in Europe, and and we say the same thing here. And, and that leads me to a question I have that comes from your book because you're talk about in your book the old management style and the new management style. And you, you gave an example that, um, well, you just said you know a lot of us got caught with the pants down. And you gave an example in the book that only you know. F- uh, the senior management only knows about 4% of what's going on in the company, and, and that number does go up as you go down the ladder. ladder okay, what, what drives this? And is it the, pretty much the same in every structure? And, and how do we change that structure? Great, great question. So you use the word structure, so let's start there. I mean, any organization, just like individuals in life, any organization to thrive has to, at the end of the day, have some degree of structure. Someone says that, you know, you can have a completely, you know, self-directed, empowered 360 organization, you don't need structure. You know, I'm going to throw my BS card on that. I've got clients in Berlin, London, you know, Brazil, South America, all over North America. And at the end of the day, there's going to have to be some degree of structure. Now, with that said, the old models of business and management, which, which worked for forever, let's just say, we're very structured, very hierarchical. Think of a triangle or a pyramid, if you will. And if you take that triangle and just kind of break it into three simple layers. So the top of the triangle is going to be the, you know, the key stakeholders, the owners, the C-suite. You know, the middle of that pyramid is going to be all your management layered people. And the bottom is going to be, you know, rank and file, frontline workers, the staff, the employees, whatever word you want to use. So, so that's the basic structure template. And if you use that template, here's how I can answer your question as to what the new models should look like. The people at the senior level, whatever that means to your organization, they're really responsible for strategic thinking and strategic planning and implementation. Everyone in the middle is involved in process, improvements, process, facilitation. So they're going to be all in terms of operationally. And everyone at the bottom, tactical. Tactical is what they own. So it's basically the implementation of whatever it is you do. So the model that I asserted decades ago, and again, the last couple of years has simply proven me to be absolutely correct. You still need structure, but what I do is is I really challenge that everyone within the organization, within reason, should be able to talk to anyone horizontally or vertically at any time pretty much about anything without going around someone who owns a specific you know, task, duty, or responsibility. And when you have that fluidity, then people of all levels will get a chance to know each other as a human being. And when you know each other at some level as a human being, then you know how to communicate, how to motivate, how to align, how to integrate, how to leverage my strengths with your weaknesses and you leverage your strengths against my weaknesses and the organization really can thrive. So again, what happens, the more structure you you have, the more pyramidic it looks, you actually are setting yourself up for failure, for tension, for silos, for animosity, for fiefdom building. So I obliterate the triangle and I use circles. And so I tell everyone to visualize a square on a piece of paper. And if you visualize a square, if you were to draw a square, then you put a circle in each of the four corners. And, and in the circles, they can represent rank and file, they can represent mid-level management, they can represent senior management, but basically what the circles in the four corners of a box would imply, and then you can draw kind of a, uh, uh, an X in the middle of that box, is that every circle should be able to talk to every circle at any time, within reason, about anything. So you have to have fluidity, call these teams, call these work groups, call them again, whatever labels you want. 
But if I'm a frontline worker and a boss comes by and Kimberly, you're my boss, you say, hey, Jeff, how's it going? Because you see my name on my uniform. I shouldn't feel like stressed that I can't tell you the truth. Or if you were to say, you know, Jeff, you've been working here for 10 years or Jeff, you've been here for 30 years. You know, if you were to reinvent this production line, if you were to reinvent this IT department, if you were to reinvent our customer contact, how would you set this team and department up to operate? I should be able to feel 100% confident to say either A, nothing because we have a great system it's working and we have feedback loop to prove it or I would say here are the nuances and adjustments I'd make ma'am to make the organization better and if I were to say that you love me whoever my supervisor is is not intimidated or stressed but we're here to make sure we win every day and that's what the new org chart needs to look like and when you have that because people have shared values, that's one of the glues that's going to bring us together. And we have a shared vision. We understand where we can go together, a lot further than we can go as an individual. And we have a, a publicized mission statement. It's kind of like our GPS or our map that says here, every decision we make may be a little bit different than a person next to us, but all of our decisions should be getting us to the same destination. Then you have greater success. Yeah, you can unpack that last paragraph because I just gave us a whole lot of information. <laughs> it certainly did. I mean, but you know, while you're while you're doing that, I'm sitting here drawing, and and for our listeners, if you actually sat with a piece of paper and drew it, it makes a lot of sense. Okay, um, and and so just a quick question because you talked about you know those forces, the strategy, operations, and tactics. Okay, so even with this square, those forces stay as driving forces in this new environment or do they shift? You know, some of the forces will stay there. But for an example, I've got a lot of clients I work with that are very good at what they do and they have phenomenal human capital. And so they nuance, you know, all these new views is what I refer to the category. So underneath of the category of new view, you can call them teams, you can call them self-directed work groups, you can call them whatever you want. I don't care. But that's new views. You know, the old traditional hierarchical, you know, uh, you know, pyramid model, you know, the you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs models, all of those are out there. And to be successful today, you actually need to identify what's the best of both ends of that pendulum. And that's what you want to embrace. What's the what's the derailments, the discouragements, the noise, the confusion of both of those and eliminate those. So it's a hybrid world we live in, mm -hmm. just like. If we were having this conversation with most business leaders that, let's say, had a uh, an organization of several hundred employees, you know, if we had this conversation in 2019 and you talked to most companies, even global, and you talked about having a fully uh, embedded virtual or, or remote workforce, a lot of business leaders would have shaken their head and said, no way, you know, maybe a couple, <laughs> but not everybody. You know, yeah. we're having this conversation in 21-22, and a significant number of people that didn't think they could work remote have become remote. And so it comes back to, do you have people with good work ethic or discipline? Do you have structure? There's that word again. Do you have structure that can help so I can hold myself accountable, my boss can hold me accountable, or whatever the person is responsible for my workflow? You know, the organization can then make strategic plans based upon what everyone's doing, et cetera. So you can call it whatever you want, but you really need the best of the both sides of that pendulum and get rid of the worst is what you really want want to do. Mm, yeah, that may, that makes a lot of sense, Jeff. Um, Jeff, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I, I want to come back to that GPS, what you talked about, you know, this mission statement, okay? Um, because, you know, a shared vision and shared mission, you know, this is the driver behind this. And I want to hear your thoughts around that. And for our listeners, we are talking with Dr. Jeffrey McGee, and he has been called one of today's leading leadership strategists. And uh, Dr. McGee is the author of 
30 books, three college graduate management textbooks, four bestsellers, and he is the publisher of Performance P360 Magazine. And today we're talking about one of his books, The Managerial Leadership Bible, Learning the Strategic, Organizational, and Tactful Skills Everybody Needs Today. And it is available on Amazon and a super read if you are a um, leader out there or anybody in an organization. Now, Dr. McGee has also been recognized as one of the 10 outstanding young Americans by the Junior Chamber of Commerce and twice selected to represent the U.S. at the World Congress as a leadership speaker. Now, if you'd like to reach out to Jeffrey, you can go on to his website, www.jeffreymcgee.com, and reach out to him there. But he's also under Twitter and under LinkedIn under Dr. Jeff Speaks, and you can reach out to him there, and on Facebook under Jeff McGee. So please reach out to him, and please get the book from Amazon, A Great Read. Now, this series is also brought to you by Cinda. Cinda holds virtual trainings, conferences, does market research, and legislative white papers in Europe focused on digital transitions and leadership. For more information, on Cinda, go to www.cinda.org. And this year, Cinda is going to go back to its live conferences, and their next conference will be held in Berlin in October 2021. And with that, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tired of the Get Rich Quick or How to Flip Home shows? Are you ready to step up your game and invest in commercial real estate? James Nelson, a top New York City broker, will show you step-by-step how to acquire, operate, and profit. You'll also hear from real estate legends on how they made their fortunes and industry experts on strategies for success. Tune in to Real Estate Investing, live from New York, on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Business. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Small businesses are in trouble, and it didn't just start with COVID-19. From the recession several years ago to the revolution of e-commerce giants more recently, small businesses are getting hit hard and need to come back. Tune in to Business Buzz and Business Watch. It's two shows in one, hosted by Frank Hellring. We'll help your small business bounce back with best practices, guest experts, and resources that you can use to strengthen your small business. Listen Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You 
are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we are talking to Dr. Jeffrey McGee. And he is one of today's leading leadership strategists. And he is the author of more than 30 books, including three college management textbooks and bestsellers. And he's also the publisher of Performance P360 Magazine. And today we're talking about his book, The Managerial Leadership Bible, Learning the Strategic Organizational and Tactical Skills Everybody Needs today. And so, Jeff, um, you know, we kind of get some background on the old structure, new structure. And in before the break, um, you said, you know, shared vision, which is so important in any structure. And you talk about a mission statement in the GPS. Now, in your in your book, you talk about the, the main mission, mission statement, but you also say that there are like different mission statements. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So one of the things I've recognized in working with my clients over the years is where are there the places of disalignment, unalignment, lack of alignment. And it happens typically when people are not connected in with the same goalpost. So what I recognize is that there's a minimum of five mission statements that that truly peak performing organizations that I've worked with, that I've helped them to design, organizations that I've worked with who are already there. So I had the luxury of just helping to accelerate them to the next level um, and in studying great businesses. So, so back that up and I'll give you the five. So I've worked with, in essence, 34 of the Fortune 100 uh, global businesses for over the past 30 years. And in working with them at all levels of leadership development, what I've recognized is that within Fortune 500 companies, 100 companies, there are pockets of phenomenal success, and then there are, as you would imagine with some organizations, there's going to be areas of dysfunctionality. So even with the best companies, sometimes they get it and don't. And if I bring it down to smaller businesses, the same thing. So the first mission statement, and this is where it makes some people uncomfortable, but if you really want to truly accelerate success, because these mission statements will guide every decision you make strategically in your organization. And it's a way of giving clarity to the person all the way down to the front line to be able to make uh, more effective and sound decisions or to know when they are not sure of themselves, not because of lack of confidence, but they're not sure for other factors and they'll ask questions. So the first one, number one, is always the organization's mission statement. So view these five as if they're hanging down from the ceiling above. So the very first one at the top, is the organization's mission statement. And it should be designed only by the key stakeholders in the organization. So if your organization is an employee-owned business, then yeah, you might figure out how you're going to get every employee involved in this conversation. (laughs) Good luck. But without that, no, the senior people. So Kimberly, let's say you own the company. You're signing the front of the paychecks. It's your money that's making this happen. And no one else is really involved. Then in one way, you're going to design number one because no one else counts. Tell everyone else to Mm -hmm. shut up and leave the room. It's your skin (laughs) in the game. Now, you might bring in your executive team, your C-suite. So there's a lot of ways to debate it. So number one is always the senior group. So if anyone's listening here, you could apply this outside of business. If you're involved in a community organization, an educational environment for your kids or what have you, and you're the president, you're the senior leader, then you and the other senior leaders need need to get together and design your mission statement. 
The simplicity of a mission statement should just simply address six variables. Every one of the five mission statements should speak to six factors. It's the who, what, when, where, why, and how that as adults we've all been introduced to in writing a paper, a brief, a report, a business plan, etc. We've all been taught that when you write, you need to speak to those six factors. So it's the who, what, when, where, why, and how. So the first mission statement is organization because that will calibrate the four that fall under it. Number two, the second mission statement, and there could be multiple number twos. Number two is going to be all of the business units within the organization. So if you have a business and there's only one business unit to it, then one and two might be one and the same. But if you think about an org chart and think about the all of the, the executives report to the CEO. So if you have a CFO, then a number two could be the finance teams. What's their mission statement? How does it support, number one, the organization? If you have an HR, your CHRO, what's their mission statement? It should support the organization's number one. If you have an IT time, uh, team, so the chief information technology officer. So all of the core business units you know, in terms of a C-suite or business units by business in terms of functioning, manufacturing, distribution, sales, et cetera. So number two, there could be multiple of those. There could be iterations. There could be a 2A. And then if someone reports to you, there could be a 2B. You know, so the first is always the organization. That's what we're about. So every decision should be benchmarked against number one. If we make a decision to do this and you know, hire this person, um, go into this new product development, et cetera, is it consistent with what we say we're about, number one? If yes, double down and do it. If not, then you've got to say either no or you had to change your, your mission statement. Number two, then is going to be the strategic business units. Number three, then is going to be the customer. Here's where businesses get in trouble. So the third to me is the external constituent, the external customer. What do they need? What's the market need? What's the, what's the opening you serve or the problem you serve or the need, and which goes into a whole other value conversation of, of identifying you know, what, what causes a consumer to change their buying decision to stay with you and not go with someone else or leave someone to come to you. So the third one is always a customer. And if you're mindful of what the customer's needs are, you can always use that to validate numbers two and number one, because sometimes you may realize your customers, what they're really starting to want tomorrow may not be what you're doing today or yesterday. So either one, we have to realize we've got the wrong customer. We need to go find customers that'll fit our one and two. Or if you say, no, this customer that we have, we want to keep, even though their needs are evolving and changing. Well, that may mean you need to go back and change mission statement number two and number one. There's a lot of businesses out there that ceased to exist in last century because they took their eye off of number three. Fourth mm-hmm. mission statement is going to be your internal constituent. So if number three is external constituent or customer, number four is going to be your internal customer. What, what do your employees want? Why are they here? What's important to them? Again, if you know what's important to your internal you know, constituents, you'll know how to engage, motivate, incentivize, promote. You can go into talent development conversations, talent growth, you know, all those elements. And number three is going to validate where your market is now, what you're doing, and where potential opportunities are. And number two gives all of your working business units and key people a way to stay focused on, hey, at the end of the day, we may have a little bit of a nuance of what we do unique in this department, but if it's not serving number one, then we need to either change one or we need to change two. So it's one, two, three, four. And the fifth one is you. Not meaning you, you're last in the conversation. But let's say, Kimberly, I work for your business. Then no matter what my role is, I'm a frontline employee or I'm in management or leadership or I'm on your executive team. If I work for you, the number one, I've got to have clarity. This is what my business is all about. This is what my employer is all about. This is why we're here. And if I don't like it, then then maybe I need to just shut up and leave and go somewhere else. See, a lot of times what happens in businesses is we hire people to help us. That's number one. They will be able to fit into our organizational structure, number mm-hmm. two. 
that will serve our customers that we have, number three. But then they forget, in essence, four, and they want to change the company to be all about them, number five. And, and again, at the end of the day, and Margaret Thatcher had a great line about socialism. At the end of the day, you will run out of everyone else's money. So again, these, these theory concepts are great until you have no cash flow. And at the mm-hmm. end of every day, business is about business. If it's not generating an exchange, it's not going to be in business. So number five being you, it leaves you with some interesting self reflection questions. So if I work for Kimberly, everybody, and I understand, number one, this is what the organization's all about, it's mission statement. I understand, number two, the different business units and the one I'm in, what we're about and how we support, number one. I understand, in essence, the customers we serve, and this is what they want because it fits into what I do, number two, and organization, number one. I understand my coworkers were maybe here for some differing reasons, but we have some similar reasons. Therefore, that's the glue that brings us together for number three. We're serving those people, number two, in our business area, we work and earn a paycheck for number one, keeping the business doors open. The number four, if I'm in alignment with 4321, then that's not going to cause any change, stress, or anxiety for me. So the fifth mission statement is you yourself individually. So now here are my three questions. If I find myself out of alignment, the beginning of your question, if I find myself out of alignment with mission statement number 4, 3, 2, and 1, I've got three questions. Number one, how do I change Jeff McGee to be in alignment with 4, 3, 2, and 1? If I'm not willing to do that as an employee, then question number two, how do I change 4321 to be in alignment with me? Good luck. So therefore, (laughs) question number three, it's time to shut up, pack up, and leave and go somewhere else. And if I believe I bring value, I can be employed in two seconds. It's the people that have no value. They realize they don't like where they are because it means they have to actually freaking work, pardon my language. Mm -hmm. So they want to change your organization. End of the day, good people leave, businesses go out of business. Yeah. yeah, you know, this is amazing because while you're talking, I, you know, I did read this and, and I read the book and this is amazing because you really, it, it's it's cascading in a completely different way. It's cascading with reflection. And so many times I see businesses who, who say, okay, here's our GPS, here's our mission statement. It comes from the top. It comes from the, you know, the, the CEO or the owner or whatever. Um cascade it down, but it doesn't really translate into something for the business unit or something for the customer or something absolutely internal. And I think I think looking at it this way is absolutely fantastic. Which which brings me to, you know, this is not easy stuff. Conceptually it's great what you're saying. Now we gotta set this into motion. Okay. And that means we may have to change. We may have to change the way we're doing business. And and you talk about change management in your book, okay? And you talk about kind of the 80-10-10 factor. So, you know, how, how does this all fit together and how do we start to move these parts so that it it's not just cascading, it's actually engagement at each level? So that, that becomes actually fun and easy. So I have a financial client right now as, as at the time we're doing this recording, and they're on the East Coast. Uh, phenomenal financial group I've been working with. One of my signature deliverables is a product called the Leadership Academy of Excellence, where I come in and work with a senior leader and her or his team, however they want to define it. Uh, it's a one-year relationship. They have to commit to the one year. We make magic happen in a year. I'm not going to do it in 30 days. Mm-hmm. Year one goes good, then it just continues on. So with this group, we have just went through a couple of modules where one of the modules, we talked to all of the leaders in a room, 23 of them, and had this exact discussion about creating their mission statement. I explained everything I just shared. And then and then the how comes. So how do I design mine if I have a team. Well, that's exactly it. You bring your entire team together 
So again, you can view your team just like the senior leader does at mission statement number one I talked about. So Kimberly is our CEO and she views her senior team as three people or 13 people or 30 people. You decide who your senior players are. You can bring them in a room to ha- you know, have them you know, te- stress test your number one or have them participate in designing it. So what I, what I coach the leaders on doing is exactly that. Bring your senior leadership team together for your business unit. How do you define your senior leaders? Your, your go-to people or by title on a business card or by tenure on the team or bring your whole team together and say, look, here's number one from our CEO. This is the reason for our business being here. We serve a valuable function as the X department or as the X team, whatever yours is. So what I want us to brainstorm and participate in is to come up with the descriptive words of what are the guiding words, the guiding points, the guiding direction of what we do as a team that allows us to support the organization's mission statement so the organization's mission statement can become a reality. How do we do that? What's important to us? I mean, or however you want to phrase it. And then you sit down and you put adjectives or verbs or nouns on the board, and then you start wordsmithing those into a coherent sentence. And that's exactly what one of the executives, she sent me an email of the final work product for her team, which was absolutely brilliant piece of work. And she did. She brought her team together and she tasked a couple with basically being the scribes, the secretaries. You know, you compile the information. You and all of us now, we're going to brainstorm it. We're going to collect it. And over the next week to 10 days, we'll bounce some emails back and forth with each other and just kind of calibrate the words and see if we're using the right words or there's a better word or, or a vague word. Get the clarity. And then from that, come up with a sentence that if we read our sentence, it should cascade upwards to the organization's mm-hmm. mission statement. Or if we read the organization's one and cascade downward, it would flow beautifully and give direction as to what ours is. And therefore, any other employee in a company, any other department in a company, any other business unit in a company, if they were to read our mission statement before calling us on the phone or jumping on a video call or walking into our workspace, they would have an insight as to this is our guiding values. This is our guiding principles. This is our mission statement. This is what we're all about. So if you want to introduce any topic that's within the sphere of influence, bring it on, we're all going to be in sync. But anything you're going to bring in for conversation that's not in alignment with these words, we're going to have a problem. So there's a lot of ways to bring people in. And again, give them the five words on the board, the who, what, when, where, why, and how. And we need to answer those those words so that someone walking in would know this is what this team does. Mm-hmm. And so, Jeff, if you're if you're doing this correctly in a company, okay, so you're you're cascading up and down. And then you have, in number four, you have these business units, okay, and on, on, on looking at a lateral. So I'm the finance department. You're the, um, uh, I don't know, operations department, you know, putting, you know, uh, like Amazon, putting them in the mail, okay, I'm in the finance. You know, how do, I'm assuming that once you get the alignment up and down, then you're not going to have that much misalignment on a lateral way. But what are the checks and balances to make sure that laterally, you know, my finance department is is just as in sync with the whole mission statements as your um, delivery department? Absolutely. Great question. So several ways to speak that. One, each number two should support, reinforce, or almost be redundant in a positive way to whatever number one says. So that's mm-hmm. one, that's your first check and balance. Then second from that, 
is the the key stakeholder to each of your number two. So if I'm a department leader, whatever my title is, and you're a department leader, whatever your title is, and the, you know, the next person's a department leader, whatever their title is, the three of us should be able to sit down and see how our mission statements actually reinforce one another because they're all speaking to the top. So mm-hmm. the way you would see that there's a problem or challenge with, with Dr. McGee's team's mission statement is if you, you read it and you go, Jeff, I'm a little bit confused and again, we have to have the right team spirit so I don't become defensive. You'd say I'm a little bit confused because as I look at your mission statement hanging down from the ceiling or, or painted on the wall or uh, framed on, uh, on the door when I come into your workspace or it is you know, printed on a little card and everyone carries it in their wallet, I don't see how your statement allows number, two, uh, number one to work. Mm-hmm. So if number one talks about best in class – well, if you're the finance department, then you're going to talk about having, in essence, controller, you know, accounting, audit, uh, payroll, uh, efficiencies that allows us to be best in class. Boom, you're using the same word. So that helps you to be in alignment when you start mm-hmm. any conversation. Thus, if you're trying to do something that, that another team lead doesn't see how that makes you best in class, now the conversation goes to best in class. I'm not pointing a finger at you or vice mm-hmm. versa. So those are some of your alignments. But yeah. again, the other... The other real secret to this conversation is the more people you have involved in participating mm-hmm. in wordsmithing and writing and finalizing these. Now, not more people, meaning everyone in the organization. You don't need right. to be stupid about this. But all the key stakeholders, if they're involved, I mean, there's an old adage. When people feel like they have skin in a game, they're much more inclined to show up, put up, and, and take ownership. The reason people you know, look at these a- exercises or statements and shake their head and walk away and laugh is that you know we're not talking about coming up with some eloquent word statement that again behaviorally we do the opposite mission statements are strategic documents that guide the behaviors of the people in the organization Mm -hmm. just like family if a family has a mantra a mission statement values then i can see in their children's behaviors whether or not their children know it understand it and agreeing with it or whether their children have no clue about it so your employees Mm -hmm. behaviors will yell the clarity or lack of Mm-hmm. And that, that, make, that makes a, a really a lot of sense, Jeff. And we're going to take a short break now. And when we come back, I, I want to talk about change management. And you talk in your book about, you know, um, tactics, nine tactics to being successful. I'd like to talk about that when we get back. And for our listeners, we're talking with Dr. Jeffrey McGee. And he's been called one of today's leading leadership strategists. And he is the author of the Managerial Leadership Bible, Learning the Strategic Organization on Tactical Skills. And that's what we're talking about today, some of the lessons in that book. Now, if you'd like to reach out to Jeffrey, um, his website is www.jeffreymagee.com, and he is on Twitter and on LinkedIn under Dr. Jeff Speaks, and he is on Facebook under Jeff McGee. And if you have any questions for me, you can reach me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com and send us your comments. And with that, we are going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you tired of hearing the future is already here? We are too. That may have been yesterday's future, but today's future hasn't happened yet. Take a deep breath, tune out the hype, the noise, and turn up the volume. 
Voice America brings you savvy, art-of-the-possible technology visionaries talking about how today's innovations right now are shaping every aspect of our real future. We'll laser focus our spotlight on workplace, health, digital media, transportation, smart cities, social marketing, fashion, food, smart home, consumer gadgets, and buzzworthy tech like artificial intelligence, machine learning, Internet of Things, augmented reality, and lots more. Clear your calendar and open your mind for technology revolution, the future of now, with the most upbeat host on global radio, Bonnie D. Graham. Listen anywhere, anytime, on any device. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking with Dr. Jeffrey McGee. And he's been called one of today's leading leadership strategists. And he is the author of the Managerial Leadership Bible, Learning the Strategic, Organizational, Tactical Skills Everybody Needs Today. And this book is available on Amazon and a great read. So, um, Jeff, we, we were talking about this mission statement. And that's kind of the alignment to get this whole company going. But, um, you know, this takes a lot of work. We talked about how you can get that alignment. But also on a tactical and operational level, we're talking about a lot of change management. And in your book, you talk about the 80-10-10 factor in change management. What is that? Great question. All right. Now you've just dipped into the next $100,000 worth of uh, consulting we're giving our (laughs) listeners. So for decades, I've had this this model that I have shared, it, whether it's coaching, consulting, or in my leadership training programs, or keynoting at, at a major convention. In 80 to 10, I'd, I'd make my fist, and I'd take my fist, and I'd put up three fingers, and I'd say, in any organization, the demographics of an organization tend to fall into three groups. So the 80% think of a question mark, so that way you understand the future, who's who. But 80% of any group are followers. They're not good people, thus no plus sign. They're not bad people, thus no negative sign. They're basically the question marks, they're followers. So if they come in in the morning and your organization has some degree of structure and they turn on their computer and there's workflow there, then boom, they're going to dive into it. If there's a checklist or there's a stack of paper on their desk or there's a flip chart on a wall, what have you. So again, I'm, I'm a great follower if I have a great leader to follow. So, so 80% of the time, we're basically followers, uh, complacent, if you will. So who does the influencing? So rule 80-10-10, what I was asserting and still assert, is that the influencers are always, and this is important for leaders to understand, influencers are always equally proportioned at the outset of any interaction. That's why I call it 10 and 10. So the 80% gets a question mark. 
one of the 10% gets a plus sign, and the second 10% gets a negative sign. So one of the influence groups that are the plus sign people, I call those your transformers. They help you to transform from wherever you are to where you want to go. So if I want to suggest a new thought at the next meeting and I identify who could be potentially my transformer and Kimberly, your name pops in my head, then I'm going to reach out to you between today and the next meeting, whether it's email or face-to-face or what have you, bounce my idea off of you, having a dialogue and exchange back and forth. Maybe I have to nuance my idea a little bit to get you to buy into it. But now if I have you on my side, when I walk in a room and say, folks, I want to share an idea on how we're approaching ABC, and I've had a chance to, to bounce this off of Kimberly and she thinks it's a pretty good thought, so I wanted to share it with everyone else. Well, that opening line right there conditions everyone in the room, whether they're listening or watching or whether it's a distance or what have you. And so anyone who likes and respects Kimberly, by default, is going to be behind me. They're going to be open to my idea. So I'm building momentum. It's a basic dynamics of marketing and influence. So again, so one of the influence groups is 10% transformers. Now, the problem is if I walk in a room and I start talking, I'm just one little percent. So you can whittle 1% away from either the 80 or either one of the 10s. doesn't matter. <laughs> so if I open my mouth and share an idea without having preset the, you know, the environment and having, in essence, checked my idea for maybe some little tweaks I need to make so I don't walk in and embarrass myself. As soon as I share the idea, well, what happens is that the neutral people aren't sure which way to go because there's not any energy to influence them besides me. Mm-hmm. Unless we're living in a dictatorship, then the 80% will do whatever I say. <laughs> then the transformers, if they don't say anything, then the, the, the followers are looking to see, well, what do we do? But what happens typically when un, <clears throat> un you know conditioned, it's that negative sign group that will typically say things like, well, we don't like that or that won't work. or We mm-hmm. tried that once before because negative people don't like change, even though they you may complain the most about they want change. They like their little utopia is what they like. So the negative people, I call them your terrorists. Now, it's a little politically sensitive in today's world, I know, but I'm not going to change the word for several reasons. One, it's in a lot of books over the past mm-hmm. 30 years, so I'm not going to worry about changing my model to placate the politically correct. And I say that tongue-in-cheek because if someone's having a problem with the words I use, that is a key example of change management. Sometimes mm-hmm. what really distracts people with little minds are little things. Mm-hmm. So that gives you a huge clue of who you really need on your team. Because, again, in, in, in business ownership and senior leadership, there is so much noise in the world, so much crap flying around, so many real issues to deal with that you really do not need to be being distracted with little things. And yeah. so I, I say that bluntly and toughly because it also tells you who's going to end up being the ones that are going to take you to the finish line versus the ones that are going to take you to, in essence, the, you know, the, the unemployment line. Mm-hmm. So 80, 10, 10. So there's two ways to identify potential transformers in any situation. And again, if our listeners think about this model and you look at the, the advertisement and marketing pieces that pop up on your smartphone when you Google a website and you're held hostage for six seconds because you have to watch a commercial <laughs> before you can exit, or you turn on your television or you look at anything in print or you look at politics, this model of 80, 10, 10 has been used forever. And that's why I recognize it. So if Kimberly's going to walk out and announce she wants to run for public office and on stage she has some 10 percenters standing beside her that are powerful transformers, then anyone in the audience that maybe doesn't know Kimberly sees those powerful people on stage and go, holy crap, Kimberly must be great because look who's standing beside her. That's Mm -hmm. how you get votes. So two ways to identify transformer. One is going to be the word people. The mm-hmm. people you have connections with, the people you get along with, the people that owe you a favor, the people that you owe a favor, it's always a people connect. But if I walk into some groups and I don't have a pre-identified people connection, then don't lose hope of, oh my, I have no transformers. Yes. The second way you can ident- identify transformers is vested interest. 
So what do I want to present it? Who in this group has the most vested interest in listening to me or going with my decision? That's how you identify transformers. And if you, again, you think about marketing and advertising and politics, the people that are successful, whether you like them or not, are the ones that understand 80-10-10. whole lot more I could talk about, but that's the overview model. Now, yeah. here's what's interesting is recently there's a research group in the United States called the Gallup Organization. And Gallup did a survey model where they surveyed thousands of businesses globally, which makes this a very unique survey. Typically, when people do a survey, they, you know, they'll survey half a dozen people and call it good. So I'm always skeptical. But they surveyed thousands of businesses, which means hundreds of thousands of people. And now look at my model, 80-10-10. So 80% are question marks, complacent followers. 10% are influencers, positive transformers. 10% influencers, negative terrorists. What they found was that 56% of demographics they researched were, in essence, disengaged in the workplace today. That's alarming because disengaged wow. means you're 80%. Or so if you engage them, you now have 56% of the energy going your direction. But if you don't, then that means that they're just going through the motions every day. Then they found 15% of the workplace today is actively disengaged. So that's your negative people. There's your negative sign or your, or your terrorist. And so the balance is 20 29%, 29% of your people are actively engaged. Those are your plus sign people. So I've been vindicated with the Gallup research says, hey, we got three subgroups. They basically fall into those categories, very similar to my model. And I've been using mine for decades. Gallup just caught up to me. <laughs> that, I mean, that's amazing. But when you think about the numbers on the, on the the percentage of disengaged or engaged negatively, that's, you know, or not engaged at all. That That's that's pretty impactful for a business, um, especially when you're, when, when you're trying to change things. So I just, um, there, we're getting towards the end of our show, but I really want to go to one subject that you have in your book, which I thought was absolutely fascinating. Um, you talk about uh, nine things to make to make an impact and be successful, okay? And probably these are the nine things those influencers are going to have to participate in or contribute to. Could you just tell me how you came up with those nine things and, and maybe just give a, a quick overview of what they are? Great question. So what, what I've started recognizing the more I work with businesses, no matter what the business is, no matter what the title of the individual within the business is. So again, whether you are in senior leadership or not, doesn't matter. Um, I started recognizing that all of us in management or leadership are engaged in certain activities on a daily, weekly basis. And some of us, we live in these areas more than others. And so understanding these actions or activities or responsibilities gives us huge insight as to what to really focus in on for accelerated performance success. Mm-hmm. So the nine basically, you know, starts with, you know, managing one's attitude, self-awareness, mindsets. There's a lot of people uh, that just, you know, focus on mindset. And I'm not talking about motivational speakers, group hugs, you know, mm. sing Kumbaya, <laughs> walk on a bed of hot coals. That's not the crap I'm talking about. I'm talking about how do you how do you get your mind in the right place for yeah. sustained success? And there's a lot of people in leadership, let's talk about it, or working with business owners or CEO to CEO, you know, uh, peer groups. It, it's about mindset and ego and how do you manage that so you don't let those actually become uh, your deficit and cancers that kill you. Then from there, how do you motivate individuals and groups? Again, no matter what the business is, you have a diversity of people. Some people need constant motivation, you know, constant, uh, you know, TLC, as they say. And there's nothing 
nothing wrong with that. And others, you know, they just need occasionally a pat on the back or, you know, a major incentive or whatever. So motivation and you know, incentivizing, that's people um, managing meetings and huddles. Again, we live in meetings. So how do you manage these so the more effective? I mean, no one really gets stressed when a meeting's canceled. What gets the stress is when three new meetings pop up every day. <laughs> so how do we manage meetings? And then, again, a byproduct of meetings is going to be delegation. So how do you delegate more effectively so we're not having to come back and, and realign because someone put a whole bunch of time, money, and energy in the wrong direction. So we talk about meeting elements, delegation elements, designing decision, capable people. I mean, a lot of people on the planet today are smart, but they're functionally illiterate when it comes mm-hmm. to making a decision. Yeah. We, have, we have school systems on the planet, and so I'll only talk about North America as a proven example, but we've spent 40 years not teaching people in the United States in K-12 how to think for themselves, how mm. to process data, how to determine fact from fiction and BS, and we've got people today that are under the age of 40 that are good people, but they really have no clue how they make a decision, and they're making decisions and committing to their decisions based upon complete propaganda. So again, mm-hmm. how do you decide decision-capable individuals and teams and the larger your enterprise is and the global outreach of your business people have to understand that process how do you deal with difficult and challenging personalities and situations how do you counsel and deal with a difficult player that terrorist on the team Mm -hmm. so you can try to realign them back into the organization because i'm a big believer even problem players might be redeemable you've got a lot of institutional knowledge in your head so let's not just fire people out of whole cloth but when it becomes obvious you need to depart someone, how do we exit them from our organizations with grace and dignity and do it as fast as you can? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they become a derailment for everyone else. How do you deal with procrastination? So number eight of these nine identified is how do we deal with procrastination and burnout? Because everyone sometimes puts things off. That's a, that's a level of procrastination. But how do we deal with that ourselves and with other people? And then the ninth basically is all about time management, time efficiency. How do you deal with time wasters and all the information flow around us? And again, every day just information flow becomes more quantifiable and, and, and the quantity just goes to the ceiling. So those nine actions I recognize all of us in business live in that space, whether you're the the initiator or you're the recipient of it and there's no way around it. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I just to comment on this and for our, our readers, our listeners, um, you can read more about um, Jeff goes into these in his book. Um, it's great. And when I saw this list, I said, wow. And I looked at this list, I said, look at, look at the, you know, the impact the impact some of these are having today in the pandemic, we said we wouldn't use that word, but meetings, decision-making, you know, difficult player, it's all there. So read it. So Jeff, we're getting towards the end of our show. So this is such great content and readers, please get the book. If you had one message to our readers, okay, you know, um, on being more impactful, being a better leader, you know, today in the environment we have, what would that message be? Great question. Thank you very much. First of all, thank you for allowing me to come on and share this time with your, you know, precious viewers and listeners. This is great. You know, my, my last nugget is always the same. Here's the beauty. It doesn't change because the weather changes <laughs> or what's happening in popular, you know, science or the community or news. The word is legacy. It always is legacy. Again, none of us have proof positive that that we get tomorrow. God has given us today and that's all we know. So what is your legacy? 
How do you how do you help others to have a better life today because they came into your presence? If you're in business and management leadership, as the context of our of our visit here today on this podcast, as a leader, what do you do to create systems that allow people to be more successful and achieve more? Whenever you achieve, your self esteem and self worth skyrockets. If you're in management, what do you do to operationally remove the confusion, the roadblocks, the derailments, the confusion, the red tape, all that crap and minutia, so people can just be productive? If I'm a frontline worker, what what do I do to help the people around me and the people that I get the opportunity to serve? What do I do to help them to be more successful today so they will be more blessed because you and I were in their space? So legacy. What's your legacy? If you're a parent, your kids are not your legacy. What your kids go out and do and whoever the recipient is of what they do, that's where you start measuring your legacy. So mm-hmm. the last thought is legacy. What is your legacy? Mm-hmm. Great, great Great end and a great question for us all to leave and think about. Um, And um, Jeff, it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you. And for our listeners, we've been talking with Dr. Jeffrey McGee, and he's been called one of today's leading leadership strategists. And Dr. McGee is the author of more than 30 books, including three college graduate management textbooks, four bestsellers, and he is the publisher of Performance P360 Magazine, and we've been talking today about the Managerial Leadership Bible, learning the strategic organizational and tactical skills everybody needs today, available on Amazon. Great read. If you'd like to reach out to Dr. McGee, he's under his website is www.jeffreymcgee.com, and he is on Twitter and LinkedIn under Dr. Jeff Speaks. And on Facebook under Jeff McGee, and that is M-A-G-E-E. And so once again, Jeff, thank you so much. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you so much for this opportunity to share. You're great. And this broadcast for our listeners has also been brought to you by Cinda. Cinda Virtual is one of Europe's largest nonprofit organizations helping small businesses transition to digital and transition their businesses. Cinda holds trainings, conferences, market research, legislative white papers focused on digital. And if you'd like to learn more about Cinda, please go to www.cinda.org. And Cinda will be going live again this year um, with a target date of October 10 to 13 in Berlin, and you can get tickets beginning next week for the Berlin Conference under www.cinda.org. So that's for this week, and listeners, don't forget to tune in every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, and if you can't listen to us live, no worry about that. We're on every major podcast platform, and thank you, and tune again next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.